Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm here with Pat Fitzmorris, Fitz at Fitz underscore FF. We have a special guest with us today to talk about running backs, Ryan uh, and Ryan McDowell at RyanMC23, host of the Dynasty League Football and Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast. Before we get to the guest and the info, I do have a couple of reads for y'all. Of course, uh, we're doing our Gabe Davis autograph jersey giveaway still. All you need to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasy pros. That's youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Take a screenshot of yourself uh, sub- uh, subscribing to it. Submit that to fantasypros.com slash dynasty contest. Di- fantasypros.com slash dynasty contest. That's it. That's all you got to do. And you are entered in to win a free FRWE autographed jersey of Gabe Davis. Please check that out. Also, while you're checking that out, check out our Discord. Our Discord is free to enter, but Premium Fantasy Pros subscribers get a whole bunch of other perks, dozens of extra channels, regularly scheduled AMAs, interactive voice chats with our analysts, and if you want to talk uh, fantasy whenever or with our analysts, check it out. All you got to do is go to fantasypros.com chat and check that out. So, uh, Pat, we did quarterbacks last week, running backs last week. Are you ready to uh, to rock this? I am, and I'm very honored that we are uh, joined by the great Ryan McDowell, who, like Bogman, when we were putting together lists of possible guests, uh, Ryan was like right at the top of our list because he's pretty much the mayor of the dynasty community. That's uh, right. You know, well-liked and well-respected by everybody. So, uh, you know, but uh, let's argue, Ryan. I mean, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Very, very glad to jump on with you, Pat. We've followed each other on Twitter for, for years. I don't think we've ever done a pod together. So good to good to chat with you. Yes, it's about time. That's awesome. I'm excited to have Ryan here. And like like Pat said, you are absolutely the mayor of the dynasty community here. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm ready to talk about some of this. And we, we got your for this exercise here. We got your top 15. Uh, I uh, did my rankings as well. My top 15. Pat has his here. And um, I'm just going to go down. We're going to talk about some of the differences. So, uh, all three of us are going to have to lobby for a guy here at one point. Uh, all three of us are going to have to defend having a guy low uh, at one point, I think, here. So this is going to be uh, very interesting. But when we start out with these rankings, in terms of dynasty, we all have Jonathan Taylor at number one. Uh, Fitz, I'll start with you. Is there an argument for anybody else, or is this just the no-brainer? Jonathan Taylor's number one. We saw what he did. He had He's the best running back this season. 
And it looks like this is the way the Colts are going to be moving forward with their offense. Is there an argument for anybody else or is it just a no brainer JT number one? No question. I think it's kind of a no brainer. Just the combination of uh, durability, youth, um, monster production in the first couple of years, or at least, uh, you know, from midway through his first season on um, it, it's just been, you know, everything has been as good as we were promised. And he was, pretty much the best running back prospect coming out of college we had seen since Saquon Barkley. Um, and he's just been all that and a bag of chips so far. So um, I, I do think he's a pretty easy, like if, if we'll talk more about this, but uh, if, if CMC had proven to be a little more durable, you know, he's definitely in the conversation. I, I think if CMC and Jonathan Taylor both give us 17 healthy games, I'm probably betting CMC, but we know, 17 healthy games for Christian McCaffrey is, uh, you know, wishful thinking. Yeah, two years in a row, Ryan, that CMC hasn't been able to put it together. I think in terms of talent, like Pat mentioned, he's obviously, uh, he would obviously be the number one back here, but JT stays healthy. It's two years in a row for CMC without this production. Uh, is that why JT's at the top of your board as well? Yeah, I, I agree with Pat. No brainer on this one. You know, he had 12 RB1 games this past season. Uh, that's that's certainly more than any other running back. Not even 23 years old yet. Uh, he'll turn 23 soon. But uh, he he's hands down the only uh, the only consideration at RB1. And in fact, if I'm doing a dynasty startup draft right now, he's the only running back I would even consider in the first round. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, that is big words. Obviously the, the wide receivers last way longer. So if you're doing a startup, you, you usually start with a wide out, but uh, yeah, I mean, JT incredible. Now we all have uh, in the, in our top five, we all have CMC, Najee, Javante. I have one guy that you guys both have in the top five, a little bit outside of that, but um, is this, is this kind of the tier, the JT McCaffrey, Javante, Najee, is this an acceptable tier? I know you both also have DeAndre Swift in that group. I don't personally, uh, although yeah, I love DeAndre Swift. But um, is are these the obvious guys to go into the top four and five here? Uh, Ryan, I'll start with you on that one. Uh, I think so. Uh, I mean, for, I would say JT is in a tier of his own. Um, okay, so, so he's tier it, one is it, JT by himself. Okay, right. I think so. But then, yeah, Williams, Swift. McCaffrey, those guys would be the second tier for me uh, as the next three guys. Uh, Fitz, are you agreeing with that in terms of the next uh, tier after JT and to you as JT tier one by himself? I do agree that JT goes on uh, his own tier. And uh, I, I agree. It's kind of, you know, we're maybe splitting hairs with some of the other guys, but I do agree. Uh, you know, that's who I was trying to sort CMC and uh, Javante. They were going to be my two, three in some order, and uh, Najee Swift were going to be my four, five in some order. I think I would probably put it's tough for me. I think JT, I don't have an argument with him being a tier by himself, and I think he is the clear number one as well. I have a hard time discounting J, um, you know, CMC, and I know it's two years in a row that he's been hurt, and that's you know, the wheels fall off fast for running back. So that it's definitely a possibility that we're seeing the beginning of that. Also, sometimes they're fluky injuries. You know, I think Saquon Saquon's been hurt. Obviously his second injury this year was a fluky thing. He stepped on someone's foot and turned his ankle, right? That wasn't uh, necessarily his fault, but you know, it's like they say uh, all the time in terms of scouting availability is the best ability. And he just hasn't had it all the time. Uh, the guy that I'm low on here, I'm just a little low on Swift. I mean, I have him at eight. He's still an RB one for me. Um, you know, I just have him a little bit lower because he's played two seasons. He's been hurt both two seasons and he's a little bit smaller stature the offense is bad. I just think there's a couple things adding up to knocking on Swift. Do you guys see my logic or do you have to put him? He's got to be in that neck, that tier with Najee and CMC and Javante uh, Fitz, I'll start with you on that one. I think what we like about him is the pass catching ability. And uh, he's, he's shown that I like, I agree in some way that maybe he's, um, like a younger version of Eckler and that he's not going to be a heavy duty running guy. Like he has had 16 uh, or fewer carries in all his games, except one 
uh, which was like a bizarre fluke when he played the Steelers. And, you know, with that bad run defense, they let him yeah. run 33 times. Um, but thanks, Pat. Yeah. Remember that game. As <laughs> Sorry, Bob. So it's all right. I couldn't let you off the hook there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it is a bad offense in that they don't have a quarterback yet. But this is one of the best young uh, offensive lines, I think. Maybe not necessarily young, but just a really good one with Ragnow and Taylor Decker and uh, Panay Sewell. So there's a lot to like here um, that they've been creative with him in the offense so far um, and just turned 23. So it's a, a pretty good combination for Dynasty. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, they, they signed Jamal Williams uh, this offseason. And I kind of saw that as maybe a, you know, here's a hammer, you know, a, a little bit, especially in the fourth quarter. But Swift is still getting those carries and, it, you know, he's getting the catches, which in PPR is huge. And like our boy Joe Pizapia says, Ryan, uh, you know, we don't care how they get the touches, just that they get the touches. It doesn't matter where they come from. The yards are the same. They count the same no matter what. Uh, obviously, in PPR, we want the receptions. I think most people are playing PPR or at least half. So um, it, it, is my logic, does is my logic OK to you or it, does he just absolutely have to be in your top five if you're ranking running backs right now in terms of dynasty? I, I mean, I get the injury concerns because you're right. We're we're two for two with injuries to Swift, and unfortunately, they haven't been major uh, yet. But if you're worried about injuries, I understand that. Honestly, a lot of a lot of these running backs we're going to talk about in the top 10, 12, 15 have have some injury concerns as well. Uh, but I, I think Pat nailed it with the with the receiving work. You know, DeAndre Swift this past season had the highest percentage of his fantasy points coming from receptions among all running backs. He led all running backs with that. Same thing for receiving yards. Highest percentage of his fantasy points coming from receiving yards. And that goes back to the Lions being a bad team. Like that, I mean, that kind of plays into it, right? Garbage time, playing. man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Garbage time. So um, I think that's a good thing that for Swift and his fantasy production, his dynasty value, the way they're using him. And, and Pat, I think you compared him to uh, Austin Eckler. To me, it's a little more Alvin Kamara. Uh, and I know maybe we're, we're splitting hairs there a little bit, uh, but I feel like Kamara can and has been given that full rushing workload from time to time in, in stretches of seasons. It's, it's Swift, a similar profile from college too, right? right. Because Camara was a part of a group, uh, you know, in Tennessee. And so was Swift at, in Georgia. It doesn't matter what Georgia back comes out. They're all part of a, a group. So <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I see a little more Camara there because, uh, you know, if the Lions decide to go that way or Jamal Williams gets hurt or whatever happens, I think Swift could be uh, that that workhorse running back that gets the rushing and receiving work. Uh, but if things go right for the lions and, and they really haven't ever, but <laughs> if things go right for the lions, then he's, he's really uh, getting most of his production from the uh, receiving game. Now, uh, one guy, this is a little tricky here because I'm outgunned on this podcast. I I've got uh, cam Akers at 16 in terms of dynasty running backs. You both have him at six. But when we're talking about fantasy pros, ECR expert consensus ranking, that's 14. So I'm closer to consensus. Y'all are both higher on cam. So explain to me about cam makers. I obviously, I, I mean, I don't have him as an RB one here. I still have him high. I still think he's way better than Daryl Henderson. Uh, I'm a little concerned about the injury stuff that, that he's had though, but this is a good offense, Ryan. Uh, it, yeah. And, Explain to me why he is a RB1 for you and a top half RB1 uh, for uh, the Rams moving forward here. Yeah, I mean, I think in this case, I'm I'm chasing value with with his age. He's the youngest running back we're going to talk about today, other than uh, other than Javante Williams, still just just basically 22 and a half years old. Um and the fact that he came back from that injury, you know, this is yeah. something obviously a lot of people have talked about over the past month. Um, I think that impacted his dynasty value so much because if he doesn't come back and, and nobody really expected him to, but if he doesn't come back to end the season and for that Super Bowl run, then we're all kind of left guessing, you know, is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be on the field? Will it be a committee? And, and some of those questions are certainly still there. 
because he he honestly didn't look that great in in the playoffs and and late in the season. Um, but I think that just kind of fast forwarded his dynasty value for a lot of people. Uh, you mentioned that Pat and I are both high on him at, at RB six. Um, you're, you're all's consensus over there at fantasy pros. I think you said RB 14. Mm-hmm. We're kind of in the middle at DLF brand new ADP from February has him as the RB 10. So just, just sneaking into that, uh, RB one range splitting the difference there. Uh, fit, yeah. fits what, it, what are, are you with Ryan and, uh, is there anything, uh, else to your logic of having cam acres up here as an RB one? Yeah, um, very much with Ryan on on the the youth and the snappy comeback from the Achilles being big factors. But uh, the other thing is just so we've seen this McVeigh offense give tremendous value to Todd Gurley earlier in his career. Unfortunately, he aged pretty quickly. Um, early in the season, we saw Daryl Henderson basically be a running back one, and Henderson gets hurt, and then Sony Michelle slots in and is basically a running back one. And Akers comes back in week 18, gets 13 snaps and eight touches, just kind of, you know, getting his feet wet again. And then the playoffs start, do or die, in the most important games of their season, they totally kick Sonny Michelle to the curb, basically, in in that first game. And, uh, you know, Cam in their four playoff games has 67 carries and 10 targets. So, um they turned the keys uh, to this backfield over to him without any reluctance, a dude coming back that fast from the torn Achilles. So it makes, makes me think that they want him to be their workhorse. And in an offense we know is going to be good, an offense that was good with Jared Goff at quarterback, um, having a workhorse in this offense I think is you know pretty valuable. And Akers could be that for the next you know three, four years plus, depending on, you know, what happens after the rookie contract, but um, it, it's a pretty bright, you know, most, most dynasty players are playing for the two or three year window and the next two yes, or three years look pretty so. bright for acres. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. And acres, I always, you know, when he came in, I was like, well, he's way better than Henderson. So he's going to move Henderson out of the way without issue. And then he did. And then I think it was, was it a cracked rib in his first start ever? Yeah. Like, Four carries in. I'm like, come on, let's get this guy a chance. Then he came back and it was really impressive at the end of the year. Then the torn Achilles. But, and I know some people may still be a little bit worried because he also picked up the shoulder injury in the, you know, a a small amount of games there at the end of the season. But uh, just in terms of this Achilles injury, uh, Deontay Foreman is a guy that missed pretty much two years or two years of valuable production for your fantasy team until you know, they picked him up off the scrap heap in Tennessee and gave him some carries after four, um, uh, after Henry went down and you saw, okay, maybe his explosiveness is back. That's two years. It took him to get back, not the eight months that it took cam Akers to come back from that Achilles injury. So just adding a little bit of context into how awesome that recovery was. It's just pretty much unheard of, uh, to have a guy come back from Achilles in under a season in the NFL. Um, here's one that, uh, Fitz is going to have to defend here. Uh, I have Antonio Gibson at 14. Ryan has him at 11. Fitz, you got him at seven. ECR is 10. So explain to us why you're a little bit high on Antonio Gibson here. Well, entering his age 24 season, um, Running back 12 this year in fantasy scoring, even though he played hurt pretty much most of the year, had that uh, hairline fracture in his shin bone and some other issues. Um, A a quarterback upgrade, I think, is inevitable for for Washington. Um, Yeah, and just like, I'd love to see him get more work in the receiving game. We know he can Mm -hmm. do that. And it's just, I can't get over the fact that when he came into the league with his, uh, background as a wide receiver at Memphis and uh, just like the the belief that he was going to get his feet wet as like the third down guy and then eventually slowly start to see those early down carries. No, not at all. Just totally thrown into the deep end of the pool as the early down guy. And then, you know, watching JD McKissick get all this uh, passing down usage. (laughs) Kind of been bizarre, frustrating if you're a Gibson investor, no doubt. But um, just generally like what we've seen so far, I'm, I'm pretty encouraged still very young and, uh, you know, already a pretty prolific producer. Uh, and I think the future only gets better for him. Yeah. Um, we're, we're all, there's a couple guys here that were, uh, 
all high and low on. We're all high on J.K. Dobbins. We're all low on Mixon. So, Ryan, uh, what is it that we like? You're highest on Dobbins at 7. Uh, uh, Fitz has got him at 8. I've got him at 10. Uh, his ECR is 15. So we all have him as an RB1, whereas you know uh, ECR has him as an RB2. I think a lot of that has to do with the ACL, of course. Uh, but what is it about Dobbins that makes him an RB1 in your eyes, Ryan? It's it's the team he plays for. It's it's this rushing attack for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, four straight years, they've been top three in the league in carries as a team. Uh, this year, this past season, they were third. The three years prior to that, first in the league in rush attempts. So the knock on Dobbins, I think, from a dynasty standpoint, is uh, the same as Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb and uh, and some of these other guys that he's not going to catch the ball. And and that's not because he can't. It's just because that's that's the game plan. They don't do the it. Baltimore yeah. Ravens. They don't do it for whatever reason. Like a lot of these college teams we see, uh, they just don't use that really as part of their offense. Um, so that's, that hurts Dobbins certainly. And, and, um, you, you know, that was even before the injury last off season or last preseason, that was one of the, uh, that was the one of, one of the things keeping him, uh, a, a little bit lower in dynasty rankings and ADP was that concerns about that. But, Again, that volume, if he's getting the big chunk of that, and we saw, um, you know, the Ravens were obviously desperate for anybody that could produce on the ground as a running back this past year once uh, once Dobbins and, and Edwards went down. So I think he just has a huge year uh, on the ground and, and obviously still a young guy, just turned 23 years old. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my thought process on Dobbins too. It's it's really the offense. It's the fact that they're going to run. And, you know, once Lamar gets going again, uh, you have that great, you have the great read option between who are you going to protect? Are you going to go and get Lamar? Are you going to go get Dobbins? It, it's a tough read. So um, is that, is it the same reasoning for you Fitz on uh, Dobbins? Um, yeah, it is. Bogman. I mean, just as, Ryan pointed out, and I, I did not even realize they were third in carries this year. And that's with Lamar missing ample time and with the over the hill gang filling in for, uh, you know, Dobbins and Gus Edwards. So um, that and just, you know, I'm really enamored with the talent. Still only 23. Um, and like what he showed us in his rookie year, even though the usage wasn't quite what we wanted. Um, I, I think we saw like he passed the eye test for us. And um uh, Bugman, before we before we get off this, I mean, we're already kind of off this first here, but uh, I did want to ask Ryan one thing, because I feel like there was almost too much harmony with all of us with CMC and probably a lot of people uh, watching this, listening to uh, this are going to push back on that with the injury history. Um, Ryan, what is what is early ADP say for uh, McCaffrey? Uh, he, he's still up there. He's, he's a first rounder for sure. Let me grab that. Yeah. 10th overall, uh, RB, let's see one, two, RB four and 10th overall. Okay. So, um, in fact, he's been a first rounder since the, uh, preseason of 2018, according to our data, we do those, we do those mock drafts and ADP data every single month, including in season. So, uh, of course, much of that he spent as as, as the 101 uh, or as yeah. the RB1, at least. Um, so he's st still hanging on. I wouldn't be surprised if he fell out of that top 12 in, in round one at some point this offseason. But still, I mean, kind of what we said at the at the top of the show, we know that the talent is elite, um, even though the injury his the injury issues are there. The offense, I would not say is elite at this point, but <laughs> he kind of uh, he's managed to overcome all of that and and maintain pretty lofty dynasty value. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, he's a guy they have to lean on, too. Right. Uh, Fitz. I mean, they like Ryan just said, the quarterback is in question. The line has had some issues, you know, outside of DJ Moore, the receiving options are a little meh. I mean, I know people like Robbie Anderson, but I think he's a little overrated. So, you know, I, I mean. And just the the years that he churned out for two, three seasons in a row were unbelievable. You know, they were so much better than everybody else. And I think we're all, you know, a lot of people are still hanging on to that. But there are people that invested and got burned. And, you know, uh, we get the overcorrection a lot of the time, which is, you know, what a lot of people will do after a bad season or an injury plague season for a player 
or a couple of seasons. I think you can, the same thing can be said about Saquon, which we're all at least at consensus. I mean, I'm, uh, I will forever be a Saquon backer, right? Uh, just uh, best running back prospect I've ever seen come out of college in my life. So, uh, and obviously the Giants have had some coaching issues and some offensive issues. Plus he's been a little bit banged up, a lot of bit banged up, um, which, uh, uh, affects his value of course but i mean the talent is in there just uh got to keep him healthy so um w- was there anything else D- did we uh anything else we skipped fits no that's that's it and um i mean that's like i want to be consistent with my cmc and my barkley arguments and like <laughs> the, the people who are knocking cmc for the health issue i mean don't forget that he actually did play all 16 games in each of his first three years um and like the 2019 season. I mean, that's, that's the appeal of, of McCaffrey where he like, you know, lapped the field at running back. He averaged like 10 points more a game than the next closest pursuer in scoring among running backs. So, um, yeah, that's honestly Christian McCaffrey is the reason I asked y'all at the top is, is he the the no brainer is because CMC is still around. Well, I think that I think what's kind of saved CMC's value in Dynasty, even with these almost two lost years. In 2020, he plays three games, and he's the he's he's an RB one in all three games. Yeah. Uh, not only an RB one, I believe he averaged like 25 or 30 fantasy points uh, across those three games. In 2021, he pl- 2021 he plays seven games. He's an RB one in four of them, an RB two in a fifth. And at least one of those he left early with the injury. So that was a game against um, Houston. Yeah. Right. On, on, on Thursday, Thursday night, night, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so really six full games. And I don't even know if that's the case. I, I can't recall off the top of my head, but basically when he's been on the field, he has produced at an elite level, even on a, a limited uh, scale over the past two seasons. And then you look at a guy like Barkley and, and he's been in and out of the lineup with injuries. But even when he's been there, he hasn't produced um, over the past two years. And Scott, that 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 hurts for me to say, I know. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of the reality. And there's so many reasons, excuses, I guess, depending on which side of the side of the argument you're on, which terminology you use there. But, you know, the, <laughs> the offense overall is bad and the coaching staff is bad and the line is horrible and um, and everything is is going against him. But in the end, you, you know, we're we're playing a game where we're chasing value and production at the same time. And he he's somehow maintaining some value, but the production just hasn't been there. That's why we've seen him fall down. And in our February ADP, he's out of the RB1 range. He's the RB15, wow. uh, the lowest he's been in. Uh, I'd have to go check probably his entire career, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I don't have an argument against that. So, uh, it's, it's where it's just where you see it, right? It's just where you see it. And like they say, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So if you see that upside, take your guy, man, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to make, make an argument. If you have a, in my brain, I see this happening, do it. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and argue for or against a, a player so much. Um, uh, unless I just think you're absolutely insane, but with these players, CMC and Saquon Barkley, the talent is there. So it's just getting them both, uh, you know, keeping them healthy, getting, uh, proper things around them. And we like it when they're on bad teams for that garbage time a little bit as well, especially guys that catch the ball like those guys. Now, uh, we're all a little low on Joe Mixon. His ECR is seven. Uh, you know, you both have him at 10. I've got him at nine. So we both still have him as an RB one but we're just a little lower than consensus. Is there anything to that fits or is that just, we value the guys above him just a little bit more. He's still an RB one, still very good. I think the reason I put him down in the lower range just to get my own out there is just, we saw this thing with Samaj Piran at the end of the year where he just came in on every single third down, which was just crazy, especially in the super bowl that play to end the game yeah. was a pass to P Ryan with that. He didn't lay out for, uh, but um, you know, Joe Mixon, um, he's got the talent. I would put him up in that group, probably in that top five group. If we knew he was going to get all of those carries just hasn't done it. So is that the reasoning? Is it the Samaj P Ryan and Zach Taylor a little bit, uh, confusing us here? 
you forgot that frustrating second to last play of the game, Bogman, where uh, or, or second to last play of Cincinnati's last ditch drive, where they hand it to P. Ryan for the inside run and go right at Aaron Donald. Uh, not my favorite <laughs> call of, of the game. Um, Running at Aaron Donald does not work most of the time, right? Yeah, so. I mean, like, I don't think. I guess the only difference between uh, my rankings and and the ECR is uh, just generally that you know I've got. Gibson and uh, Dobbins higher than everyone else. So I'm, I'm not down on uh, Mixon. I think they're going to invest in that offensive line. That's going to get better. It's nice that it's going to be a, a prolific offense. And like, I don't think we can complain, even though P Ryan was involved, I don't think we can complain too much about the touches for Mixon, especially since like toward the end of the season, um, that was maybe the one beef with him all season is that they did not throw to him very much until like the last month or so, month and a half. Yeah. And then they got him back in the passing game. Uh, Ryan, is it the same thing with you? We're just a little low because we like uh, other guys a little bit more, or is there something against Mixon here? Uh, you know, it, it's real. Mixon's such an interesting case because the obvious uh, concern is, is the passing work and the third down work. But if, if you look at his numbers and this is, I think mostly just, just a volume uh, a case of volume, uh, not only for Mixon, but for, for the Cincinnati offense in general. Uh, he had 42 receptions this year. That's the second most of his career. He had 314 receiving yards this year. That's a new career high. And he scored more fantasy points on third down this season than he ever has uh, in any other season in his career. That's only 22 fantasy points, by the way, 22 fantasy points on third down the entire season. So, um, you know, I, I get the concerns because if you're watching the games and they're putting P Ryan in, it, it's frustrating. So, you know, I guess it's good that, that the numbers are, are going his way, but at the same time, it, it could have been so much more. Um, I, I would say, I don't really have a major concern with Mixon. I think with Mixon and Eckler, because they were both healthy this year, um, you know, compared to to some of the other guys in that range, um, I, I think we're just chasing a little bit. You know, we're just chasing 2021 with those two players specifically and expecting a repeat in 2022. And not that I think either will be bad. I think they certainly could both be RB1s. But again, you talk about their age. Eckler's 26 and a half. Mixon's 25 and a half. Not old by any means, but that's when we start seeing players lose uh, running back specifically lose some dynasty value. Uh, the, the next one is probably my biggest difference uh, against ECR and you guys. It's Alvin Kamara. I've got him at five. Uh, ECR is nine. Uh, Pat, you're at 12. Ryan, you didn't have him in your top 15. We talked a little bit before the show. I think you have him like right at 16. So not yeah. far off uh, from uh, from that. But um, look, I just think that Alvin Kamara is everything we want in DeAndre Swift already, right? He averaged a couple more points than Swift did uh, this year. Uh, I know he's longer in the tooth than Swift, of course. So if you're thinking of five, six years down the road, yes, Swift is probably still going to be around. Kamara is probably going to fall off. But like Pat said, most dynasty uh, folks are looking in a two to three year window. And that's what I'm looking at. And I just think the workload for him is going to be big. I know he's come up uh, lame a couple years in a row. He missed uh, four games, I think this year and uh, more than that the year before. Uh, but we don't know that there's so much going on in new Orleans with the cap situation, the coach situation, uh, the quarterback situation, the wide receivers and Mike Thomas. So the one consistent thing they have right now is Camara. Obviously, he has some off-field stuff that has to be tended, right? So I, I, I'm I, operating right now thinking that Kamara is not going to get suspended and he's going to be okay. If we get more information about that situation, uh, my rank will obviously change, right? So uh, I am thinking in terms of he's okay. He's coming back to New Orleans. They got a new coach. He's their best weapon. They got to give him the rock a bunch of times. So um, – there's a lot going on with him, but Fitz, I'll start with you here. Um, you still got him like right on the RB one borderline. Is this more about injuries is it about off field is it about new coaching. There's a lot of things that, that can put Camara behind the eight ball. Is it a combo of all of those? How do you see him? Um, not about off field. Like I'm not worried about him missing time. I, I think he'll probably ultimately, you know, settle with away the, from the victim yeah. and get like two games. I do think he's going to miss games. Um, 
you know, doing that at the pro ball, not a good move that I don't think uh, Roger Goodell is going to look kindly upon that. But for me, Bogman, it's mostly that he's going to be entering his age 27 season, which is starting to get into the twilight of uh, the running back window. And they've got all these problems with the offense and, and not having the quarterback and being up against it with the salary cap. And like, I would be much less worried about the age thing. If I, sh- I should say, I'd be much less worried about the situation if he was Deandre Swift aged and okay. could, had time to mm-hmm. uh, for things to get better. Like this, this is the two or three year window we're looking at for Camara and the next two years probably aren't looking real promising for the saints. So um, that's kind of what concerns me here that we're using up the last uh, like peak years of his career in kind of a dismal offense. Yeah. Ryan, is it the same reasoning for you? Yeah, it's a combination of all of those things. And and the the off-field, you know, the Pro Bowl or, or Las Vegas issue was just just kind of like, you know, the cherry on top. Like right. we we already don't know, you know, we there's coach concerns and quarterback concerns. And um, I mean, in general, we talk about players being quarterback proof and I don't think Alvin Kamara is quarterback proof. He's played 20 games now in his career without Drew Brees. And in those games, he's averaging four and a half fewer fantasy points per game. So he goes from 22 and a half with Brees to 17, a little over 17 and a half without Drew Brees. And uh, I mean, we have no idea who their quarterback is. It's not Taysom Hill. There's $78 million over the, over the cap. Right. So uh, there's not like they can, you go pick up Aaron Rodgers or anybody like that. So exactly. That's what I was going to say because of that cap issue. Um, we also know it's not Rodgers or Watson or Russ, right? So, or, or even Carr or Garoppolo, someone like that. So it, it's, it's going to be a rebuilding year or two or three for the saints. Um, and and uh, yeah, I've just got lots of concerns about Kamara. Uh, he, the only running backs older than him on, on these top guys we'll talk about today are Derek Henry and, and Austin Eckler. Eckler has him by a month. So, um, you know, he's older than cook. He's older than uh, Chubb and, and Barkley and CMC and, and all the rest that kind of came out of that 2017 class. Uh, I think dynasty managers and players are concerned as well. He's outside Kamara is outside of the RB one range outside of those top 12 running backs in our ADP for the first time since November of his rookie season, November of 2017. So from December, 2017 until last month, he was an RB one dynasty value wise. And that is no longer the case. Man. All right. Uh, Now I'm going to quick hit these next couple. Um, just, uh, just to mention that any of these guys you want to talk about, we can talk about, uh, and then Ryan, you're going to be, you're going to be the tiebreaker on a couple of Pat and I's differences, uh, right. beyond the top 15. And then we're going to talk about a little bit about the rookie class as well. So, uh, just so you all know how this is going to flow here. So we're kind of a rainbow on Austin Eckler. Uh, his ECR is six. That's where I have him. Ryan has him at nine and Pat has him at 14, uh, Travis ETN. Pat and Ryan are both high on compared to consensus. I am at 25. Consensus is 22. Y'all both have him at 15 for Pat and 14 for Ryan. Derek Henry, um, Pat and I have low compared to Ryan. His ECR is 13, right out of RB1. 16 uh, for Pat, 15 for me, and 8 for Ryan. And then Josh Jacobs, uh, I'm high on. I have met 13. His ECR is 18. Pat has met 21. And I didn't get where you have him, Ryan, uh, right outside of, I'm guessing right outside of the top 15 as he wasn't in your top 15. But um, uh, Pat, I'll start with you. Uh, any Anything on Eckler, ETN, Henry, or Jacobs you want to hit? I should probably reassess Jacobs. I think people are starting to rewarm to him again. And uh, I still like this the skill set. Like I should probably get him inside my top 20. Uh, Eckler, like we know there's going to be touchdown regression and like everyone knows mm-hmm. that he's not going to score 20 touchdowns again, but I'm kind of worried that he is entering this age 27 season, uh, 206 carries after never having more than 132 in a season before. And it just seems like the reason he got that much usage in the running game is because they have failed miserably at finding this early down back that they've been looking for. Like they've whiffed on Joshua Kelly. They whiffed on Larry Roundtree. I still think they're going to get like a, a 
day two or day three running back who they'll try to work in this year. So um, kind of the, the, you know, front office failings uh, sort of pushed Eckler up a little bit. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, Henry, like he's just, I just worry that it's, that it's the time bomb. The guy, it's the uh, cliff for him. Absolutely. Yeah. A, a guy yeah. 28 who's had 900 regular season carries the last three years <laughs> and, and, you know, just had his first, uh, had the veneer of invincibility finally cracked a little bit with this this broken foot, so I I just worried about that. Plus the you know as as Ryan had mentioned earlier the lack of usage in the passing game, which is uh, you know something that's always kind of uh, it, it repulses dynasty owners. Uh, <laughs> obviously, and they, there's so many so much that Henry can give you when he's on, but. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're just you hate seeing the phrase two down back, especially with the guy yeah, you, coming into the you league. You just don't want to be the guy holding the bag in your dynasty league when when things go south with Henry. And I feel like that time is coming. Uh, I think the tough. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, Scott. I think the tough thing with Henry is um, the past two or three off seasons, everybody has felt that way. So mm-hmm. even though he's been, you know, the RB one, or he's been. A, this record-breaking producer on the field, the dynasty value wasn't there because we looked at the PPR work or we looked at the age and started to get concerned. And now you mix in the injuries. For me, I I basically kind of created my tiers uh, with younger players that I think could be either, either they are elite, if we're talking about Jonathan Taylor, or I think they have a chance to be elite. And then I finished off those tiers with uh, with the veterans who have already shown us. So, I mean, I've got Taylor at the top. That second tier is is Williams and then Swift. And, and that tier ends with McCaffrey. And then tier three, Harris, Akers, Dobbins. And then I've got Derrick Henry in there. So I, I think the deeper you go uh, in your dynasty rankings or, or ADP or whatever you want to look at, you start thinking about more of a, of a one-year window and basically playing the running back position like a redraft league. And after I get out of the top seven, that's what I'm doing. You know, Dobbins is seven. So once I get to eight, Derek Henry might only give me one more year, but that's okay because his, his trade value is not, it's not even close to Najee Harris or even yeah. Cam Akers, right? I mean, Cam Akers and Antonio Gibson, those guys are going to cost you quite a bit more than Derek Henry in, in most dynasty leagues. Um, so that that's kind of the mindset of having him, uh, a little bit higher is is that one year window as I as I move down the list. Anything else on um, uh, Eckler or Etn or Jacobs for you, Ryan? Um, Eckler is, is again. I just think we're chasing a little bit. He had uh, almost he had almost three hundred and fifty fantasy points this season in PPR leagues. By far his his best year. Uh, he in, in his two fully healthy seasons. Actually, I believe he had he's had three, but two of the past three years, he's been uh, healthy and, and played all games. And uh, he's been the RB two and RB four in, in those two seasons. So that's good news. But ultimately I'm, I'm with Pat that we're just chasing last year's production a little bit with him. Jacobs. It's, it's kind of the same story as some of these other guys. We just want to see him more involved in the passing game. Uh, I think he showed he could do that at, at Alabama. Um, but now we're, what three or four years into his career and, and he's never really been given the chance. So I'm hoping we're not sitting here in two years saying the same thing about Antonio Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. Number one. And I also like the way that you laid out how you do those top seven, you know, you're like, uh, look, I'm looking for value and long-term. And after that, it's just this year. I I, I like, uh, I, I like behind the, behind the curtain a little bit. That's how, how you, you do it. That's very interesting. Uh, so, um, let, let's, uh, let's talk about some of these guys that, uh, Pat and I have, uh, decent differences on, and we'll let you be the tiebreaker here, Ryan. And the first one, and Pat, of course, I will let you speak for your guys. I'm not gonna, you know, uh, you know, just say, Hey, I've got him at here, I don't like him because this. Tell me, you know, uh, let's start with Rashad Penny. I've got him at 44, Fitz, you got him at 30. So, uh, stand on a pulpit for your guy, real quick. 
Oh, man, I'm just optimistic that uh, we're going to see this late uh, arrival with him. And, you know, the fact that he did kind of arrive late maybe means the window is smaller. But what we saw was just so good. I mean, kind of a seeing is believing thing. And I know he's brittle. And yes, I think we have to take that seriously. But, uh, you know, he carried some people to fantasy championships this year, which is uh like something that's hard for me to overlook just these he rang up some really big games in December and um you know not not totally over the hill yet so to me there's some value there i i can't do it with the injuries ryan uh what what do you think of penny i'm certainly concerned about the injuries as well uh, because it's it's a long history right it's not one or two years it's basically his entire career um but we trust the talent uh, he's he's got that draft capital that tells us NFL teams, at least the Seahawks like him. And you, you look at that production at the end of the year, he had four RB one games and uh, I don't know how many total games he played, but he had as many RB one games as Javante Williams, as many RB one games as Elijah Mitchell, as many RB one games as Aaron Jones. And, and those guys, uh, you know, for the most part played the full season. So um, it, it's kind of exciting to see what happens to him this off season. And ultimately I'm going to kind of, you know, cop out a little bit here because <laughs> the NFL is going to really tell us what they think about this guy. If he gets, um, if he gets a sizable, you know, three-year contract, then yeah, I'm, I'm in. Of course, by that point, it's probably too late. That's why, you know, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta make your bet early on, but um Ultimately, I, I guess I'm going to go with you, Scott, because those injuries, they just they just don't stop with Penny. If I've got him right now uh, and, and I find somebody else in my uh, in my league who who is excited about that end of season run, I, I'm probably selling. Uh, now, the next guy I expect to be on an island with because I usually am. Uh, so the next guy here is Leonard Fournette uh, clocking in for Fitz at. 40. I'm at 20. He is a free agent, but I expect him to be back with the Bucks. Obviously, Tom Brady is gone right now. Uh, so uh, I, I, I'm not 100% sold. I'm like 90% sold that Brady's retiring. You know, I know he said it, but I don't know. It's a lot of money to give up. He might get bored in the next couple months. Decide he wants to come back. So I'm not 100% that he's out. But uh, look, I think he is out. So I think Fournette's going to have to be the focal point of this offense. And I think he has made himself the guy in Tampa Bay, which is why I think he'll be back there. Obviously, he could sign somewhere else, have a completely different role. Uh, but uh, Fitz, you have him at 40, so not a Fournette guy. Yeah, I'm pretty skeptical uh, of Fournette, basically, and have been for a long time. I think the reason things worked out so well for him this year, like he, um, I really thought Giovanni Bernard was going to be the new James White mm -hmm. for Tom yep. Brady. Yep. And then Gio gets hurt, and, you know, Ronald Jones is just a, a train wreck in the passing game, both catching and protecting. So that was left to Fournette. And in the twilight of his career, Tom Brady did not want to get hit. Like you saw it, he would unload the ball quickly and like Fournette was his dump off guy. And like that just turned out to be gold for fantasy. Yeah. If you had Fournette this year. And I just don't think we're going to see that, um, you know, those kind of circumstances uh, fall into Fournette's favor the way they did this year. Ryan, uh, your thoughts on Fournette. Yeah. When you look at top 24, running back games uh, over this past season. So we're talking uh, RB1 or RB2 range. Only four running backs had more uh, top 24 games than Leonard Fournette, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, and Josh Jacobs, by the way, is the fourth. Mm -hmm. um, Look at that. Most, most of those were RB2 games. But uh, in, anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fournette is, is another one that, that the NFL is going to tell us about. I, I hate to keep playing that card, but he is a free agent. Scott, I don't know if I want him to go back to Tampa Bay. Assuming there's other Brady... situations that would be better for him, but there's also a lot of situations that would be worse. Well, I mean, what we know, if, if whether it's Fournette or, or, or um, Penny or, or whoever is, um, they're not going to get a huge payday. Right. I mean, right. you know, we've seen, we've seen big time running backs and, and young running backs like Aaron Jones had to stay with the Packers and he got, I mean, he still got paid. He got a nice deal, but um, these guys are not hitting, hitting the market and getting huge, uh, huge contracts like they were. 
It's because every time a team ago. gives them these big deals, they don't live up to it. It seems like. It, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know even what I'm rooting for when it comes to <laughs> Leonard Fournette this off season, but anytime you, whether it's via free agency or, or if Brady is, is just gone, even if Fournette's back, you know, when you're losing Tom Brady, your production's going to dip. Right. So I think we've kind of maxed out on, on Fournette production. Uh, all right. So there's three other guys here. Um, uh, I am high. I, I am lower on Kenny Naguanu than, um, than Pat, Pat, you got him at 64. I got him at 84. Well, we're both much higher than ECR on him though. Uh, Gus Edwards, you have at 72. I have at 38. I, I see him as a high floor guy. And then Tariq Cohen, I have around 70. You have almost as undraftable in the one hundreds. Uh, so, Let's just hear your thoughts on Naguanu, Edwards, and Cohen Fitz. In Naguanu, I just have kind of fallen for, and I know that he mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, going nowhere quickly as the uh, ensconced as the number three guy behind Cook and Madison. But I just liked what I saw of him, just looking like he was uh, so explosive this year, Speed. both as a kick returner. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and anytime he got the ball, he just looked so good. So that's that's kind of one to dream on, uh, a guy to stash at the end of your bench uh, in a dynasty league. And um, I'm sorry, Boggs, who were the other guys? Gus oh, one Edwards. Was, yeah, Gus Edwards and Cohen. Yeah, Cohen, I just don't, like, I mean, here in Chicago, I've, I've watched that guy, like, <laughs> get the ball and look for the sideline, like, as fast <laughs> as he can. Pretty much for the small. entirety of yeah. his career, like he, yeah, I just, I don't think he's very good, man. I just okay. like kind of never have, um, and um, yeah, with Gus. So part of it is there's really no pass catching upside there. Um, I guess I've always kind of been surprised he's he's been as effective as he has been with the minimal college pedigree coming out of Purdue. Um, he's an overachiever for sure. I just think he's kind of maxed out. And I think there's going to be uh, like when we see he and Dobbins back together next year, I don't think we'll see it in quite the same ratio as we saw in 2020. I think it's going to be more Dobbins, less Edwards. Uh, I, th- I thought it was Edwards. I think he was Rutgers, right? Um, was he? Rutgers? Yeah. Rutgers, Rutgers. I, I just, he was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, 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 uh, uh, you know, I'm thinking of Mostert. Sorry. Uh, that's it. Okay. Um, uh, what about uh, what about these three guys, Ryan? Uh, anything with Naguanu, Edwards, or Tariq Cohen? Yeah, I, I definitely like uh, Naguanu as a as a stash as well. Um, I mean, I'm one always, and and I hate to, to even keep bringing it up, but I'm I'm always worried about a Dalvin Cook injury. So, um, <laughs> th- you know, this is a guy who could go from from RB three on the sideline to RB two. Um, getting some snaps pretty quickly, potentially. Um, Edwards, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still a little worried about that injury. Um, I want to kind of track him throughout this offseason. Uh, I think he's a UFA to, too, so there's a chance he ends up somewhere else. Yeah, I, I don't know if that would be a good thing for, uh, it, for him. Well, it, yeah. Well, once again, many situations would, which would be nice, you know, if he went to yeah. Miami and fell in love, Mike McDaniels fell in love with them, that'd be great. But we want him back in Baltimore to be part of that big running. Uh, thing for that high floor anyway. Yeah. Tariq Cohen is, is so interesting. I'm, I'm, I would have said I, I used to be with you box. Like, um, I mean, I, a guy I always liked more than most people. It seemed, uh, you know, I fell in love with that receiving role. He had uh, 70 catches that, two years in a row before that injury. So, right. The injury though, like nobody seems, I don't know, Pat, maybe you can shed some light. Nobody seems to know what happened. He get the, he hits the pup list with this knee injury, and then it's like crickets. I don't know what update you you guys have had at, at Fantasy Pros. I mean, if you look at at Roto World or whatever it's called now, you know, like there's no <laughs> updates since the preseason. Like there's nothing on on Tariq Cohen. It was he's out for the first six games, and then you never hear anything else about him. And and the fact that they signed Damian Williams last off season. Uh, although he, you know, he didn't play a major role this year either. And then they draft Khalil Herbert, who I was, I was really impressed with as a rookie. Um, I mean, if you told me Tariq Cohen never plays a snap in the league again, I wouldn't be shocked. Like <laughs> USFL I wouldn't be shocked. draft is tonight. 
Hey, so hey, maybe, maybe he'll end up there, you know? Um, but uh, look, it's not a surprise that we didn't hear anything about him. Right. Because I mean, Matt Nagy wouldn't even show up to quarterback meetings with Mitch Trubisky. So it's no surprise that he's not giving updates on guys on the pup. Right. Right. Fitz? Yeah, that's a good point. Ryan's right. That was kind of a mysterious injury. Uh, no news. Definitely not good news there. I think if you're still holding on to Cohen, so um, might be one of those, uh, one of those off seasons where he's kind of a marginal guy for you and a guy you might think of letting go. I don't know. Especially so, with Khalil Herbert showing out too. Right. Yeah. I mean, Herbert playing well. Yeah. I, I think if Cohen does succeed, it's probably in another place. It's probably not in Chicago. Um, but I mean, that could happen. There's plenty of guys that uh, pick up and go somewhere else and and have decent roles. Uh, let's talk about the, the rookie class a little bit here because, uh, Pat, you you went and did a refresh on your dynasty rankings, and you included a lot of those rookies in your rankings. So it, it'll look weird uh, if you guys were looking at our sheet because versus ECR, most people haven't added them in, so you're 101 spots better than the average on Brees Hall and 102 on Isaiah Spiller and guys like that. But who are the backs from this draft class that uh, you are looking at, you like what you see from them, and you think they could have significant roles in the NFL uh, so far in your process? That's kind of it. Uh, Spiller and, and Hall, and I've kind of gone back and forth about which one I like more. I think right now I'm leaning slightly towards Brees Hall, but uh, you know that's a coin flip and probably could go either way depending on landing spots. Um, and then kind of a second tier with uh, Kenneth Walker of Michigan State and Kyron Williams of Notre Dame. Um, and then after that, like I, I think it's all dart throws pretty much. Like everyone's got their everyone's got their sleeper types, you know, some guys like Tyler Algier from BYU and like, they're definitely pockets of support for some of these other guys. But I really think it's kind of like the big two, the next two and everyone else. Yeah. I, I think that's definitely kind of becoming uh, the, the range for everyone. And I think Ryan for this year, more than any other year, probably at this position, context means so much because there are so many guys in the background, like Fitz just said, you know, guys like Hassan Haskins and James Cook and Rashad White and Tyler Beatty, Sincere McCormick, Ty Chandler. These are all guys that could have good roles. But if you put them in Carolina, now they're behind Christian McCaffrey. You know, mm -hmm. if you put them in L.A., uh, Austin Eckler's the guy there. If you put them in Pittsburgh, they're never going to see the football because Najee Harris is there. So, you know, there's plenty of guys that have great skills, but I think this year more than any, because there aren't those Najee Harris's, there aren't many three down backs in this draft. Uh, I think context is going to hold so much value for, um, you know, fantasy moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, both, both draft capital and landing spot as they always are really are, are going to be super important. And I mean, the first separating. round, is why we're still on Penny, right? I, if Rashad, yeah. if Penny was a third round pick, not, none of us would, we wouldn't be talking about him on this show, right? That's, that's, that's true. That, uh, and that of, and 2000 yards at San Diego state. But. I mean, I loved him in San Diego state, but uh, who Pumphrey was amazing at, uh, true, you know, true. I mean, he was also five for four or whatever, but uh, <laughs> he, he was amazing at San Diego state. So. You know, well, not, none of these guys are getting that first round draft. Right. It, <laughs> yes, it's not right. happening this year. <laughs> right. um, Be very I, surprising. I agree, yeah, I agree with with Pat. It, it's Hall and Spiller. And I, I flip flopped a lot as well. I, I think probably I don't want to say the consensus because it, there is no consensus, but the the majority seem to favor Hall as the uh, as the RB one in the class from a dynasty standpoint. But if you look at at NFL mock drafts, which I think are super important this time of year, honestly, uh, it it's Walker showing up as the RB one in a lot of uh, a lot of instances, and and really all three of those guys kind of rotating Walker, Spiller, and uh, and Brees Hall. So uh, again, it's it's all kind of up in the air. the The lack of of pass catching and PPR upside is the concern for Walker. Uh, we've got rookie ADP over at DLF and Brees Hall is the 102 right now. According to that, he's the RB one and the 102 Spiller is 104 uh, Kenneth Walker 107 and Kyron Williams is the 112. So, or oh, I'm sorry, 111. So you've got those four running backs, the four that Pat named 
as first rounders in in rookie drafts. And a guy just outside of the first round, the other name I would throw in is is Rashad White, uh, who's who's going to be uh, or at least has the potential to be a nice pass catcher out of the backfield. Were you all talking about him on your most recent podcast? Uh, and he compared himself to Arian Foster. Was that you you guys? I remember hearing that. So no, that was not us, but that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's, he he said he models his game <laughs> after Arian Foster, which is, you know, I mean, he's not Arian Foster, but he, he is a big back, like he's a reverse Debo, is what I'd call him. He's a running back mm-hmm. first who could also uh play some wide out as well. Yep. So yep. yeah, good and there's a lot of good role players in here, man. I Ty Chandler. Uh, really stood out at uh, the Senior Bowl. Uh, I think uh, he's going to move himself up. I think James Cook is a great pass catcher. Of course, his brother is Dalvin Cook. So uh, the the it's in the blood there for these guys. But uh, I think that is going to wrap it up. I will give you both opportunities to talk about any other running backs we didn't hit. Uh, Fitz, is there any running back we didn't hit that that you have a strong opinion about that you wanted to bring up before we go here? Oh, um, you know, not really that I can think of off the top of my head, Bogman. I mean, I was just, uh, it's kind of funny. I know like we were talking about the rookies and what lodged in my head is just that they're going to be the landing spot darlings, no matter what, Mm -hmm. like there were people, Ryan will remember this. There were people drafting JV and Hawkins at the end of startups last year, uh, undrafted, but he went to the Falcons who had this vacancy, uh, you know, flashing neon sign running back needed. So we're going to see situations like that crop up. Um, so, you know, that'll that'll certainly shake up the rookie board for uh, these dynasty rookie drafts. And, and, you know, just speaking about guys that uh, popped up in a different place a little bit later in their career and played well, Cordero Patterson was absolutely that guy yeah. in Atlanta this year, half wide receiver, half running back, whatever you want to call him. He qualified at both. Uh, obviously more valuable at a wide receiver spot, you, you would think. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, th- that's a, a great point to make. Uh, Ryan, any other running backs that we didn't talk about that uh, you wanted to, to mention before we go here? Uh, yeah, I just think about kind of my general offseason strategy. And if you think you're a contender, you're looking to buy running backs. Honestly, I'm I'm not the ty- type of dynasty manager that's going to pay up for Taylor or Williams or Swift or Harris. Um, so if, if I can get McCaffrey or Henry at a discount, I love doing that. But more than likely, I'm buying guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Miles Sanders. I don't think they're ever going to be top five running backs again, both uh, neither in value nor, nor on the field. But I think we've gone a little too far with, with devaluing those, those guys. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for the fantasy pros dynasty football podcast. Remember you can follow us all on Twitter uh, at Fitz underscore FF uh, Fitz. What do you got coming up? What's on the docket for you here? Oh man. Uh, yeah, we're uh, so I've got an interesting uh, fits on fantasy show coming up. That's not actually a uh, fantasy pro thing yet, but um, so that's going to be interesting. And uh, what else? I'm getting a little into baseball, Bogman. I mean, mm-hmm. you've dragged mm-hmm. me into that netherworld. Yeah, uh, I gave you my fact- uh, my stat sheet <laughs> that, that you can make your rankings <laughs> off of. Yeah. And just uh, like I've, I've been sprucing up the dynasty and, and redraft rankings. So those are all pretty current. Added the rookies recently. So if people want to check those out on Fantasy Pros, uh, they're pretty up to date as of now. Pre-combine. Yeah, pre-combine, right. Combine will change stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. surprise, everybody loves the underwear Olympics, right? It's not annoying <laughs> to anybody. So uh, <laughs> at least they got that figured out, uh, you know, so we will have. Uh, some of those big time names, uh, Ryan McDowell at Ryan MC 23 on the Twitter. What do you got coming up? What's on the docket for you? Yeah, just continuing, uh, my two main podcasts, DLF dynasty podcast and locked on dynasty. We're obviously doing a ton of rookie, uh, content and coverage on both of those, uh, and doing a lot of rookie stuff, uh, in written form at dynastyleaguefootball.com. I'm, I'm doing a Monday mock article where I basically do a different kind of mock draft, uh, and that releases obviously every single Monday. All right. Uh, well, you can follow me at Bogman Sports. Obviously, you can catch me on this podcast and all my stuff over at InThisLeague.com as well. Just check out my Twitter at Bogman Sports. You can see all the stuff I'm doing: uh, baseball, football, college football, CFP winning edge with them still on Sports Grid, all that great stuff. So please uh, check me out if you would. And we will see you guys next week to talk some wide receivers. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. 
Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.